This is Power Players with Dan Clark. This is a podcast interview with multicultural dancer and superstar recording artist Alex Boyer. Welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark, former athlete, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, and high-performance business coach, where each week I bring you an inspiring message from an extraordinary human being who will share their secrets on how you can tap into your personal power to become everything you were born to be. Thanks for spending some time with me today. In this episode, my dear friend and brother from another mother, Alex Boyer, singer, songwriter, recording artist, dancer, suicide prevention advocate, humanitarian extraordinaire, shares his life of poverty, parental abandonment, homelessness, continuous rejection, and obvious relentless tenacity to generate over 1 billion views of his music videos on his YouTube channel, all while remaining true to himself, strong in his devotion to his God, and devoted as a doting father and amazing husband. Hi, it's Dan, obviously with Power Players. And this podcast episode could be the most important episode that I've had an opportunity to participate in, not just as a host, but being interviewed by some of the greatest podcast hosts in the world, which highlights the significance of the questions being asked in every podcast. And so my goal today, especially with my dear, dear friend, my hero, my mentor, my spiritual guide, Alex Boyer. I don't pay him enough, guys. I don't pay him enough. Is to ask the questions that you would want to have the answers to. Not having access to the superstar as, as accessible as he always is. Still, when there are a few thousand folks in his cheering crowd at a live concert or someone as a concerned parent just praying that Alex can help their young teenager decide not to hurt themselves, whatever the cause or case may be. Today, I really hope that I can ask the questions that we all need the answers to from Alex Boyer and his amazing life, his amazing journey. Most of you know that I was paralyzed playing football, and what has happened since my recovery is a God thing. And most of us have been raised to believe that things happen for a reason, But it's my experience that it's our responsibility to determine what that reason is. And therefore, I believe that Alex and I were brought together for a bigger reason than just him or me. And the reason why he's been able to fit me into his amazingly busy schedule to join us in the podcast studio today is because the timing's right for some reason. I believe that when you finally download and subscribe to this this podcast, Power Players with Dan Clark, and look up this episode with Alex Boyer that it could possibly transform your life and take you from success to significance. I believe that about our conversation to come. So in a nutshell, you heard his bio for my intro. But on a personal note, it's fun for me to see someone who's exactly the same off stage as they are on stage. It's fun for me to see a superstar dancing as well as Michael Jackson, <laughs> singing wow. as well as as paparazzi, paparazzi, I can't, paparazzi, sorry, paparazzi, paparazzi, just doing everything you can possibly imagine as a singer, <clears throat> dancer, performer, 
and then be the same in a movie theater when you see him with his eight kids. And I think of all the, the, the compliments that I could pay Alex Boyer is that he doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk. But that's so cliche. What I want to say is he doesn't just practice what he preaches or sings about. He actually preaches and sings about only what he lives. So the messages in his song, you know, Ben Don't Break, the messages of his concert, the messages of his tour coincide perfectly in alignment with who he is as a human being. So when he sings and when he talks, he doesn't just teach what he knows. He teaches what he lives. He teaches what he's experienced and how he equates his life story. Growing up in London, England, uh, born of Nigerian parents, uh, his mother was pregnant in Nigeria when she left uh, his dad to come to England which means he never met his dad in those days. <coughs> and uh, after he is born into the world, his mother decides that she's going to go back to Nigeria for a couple of weeks, and then she never returns. So Alex Boye is more than just a self-made man. He had to figure out at an early age who he was, why he was, and what he was going to do about his purpose on Earth. Uh, I could read his... 19-page bio and give you all the, all the song credits, but I think we just get right to the man first and start us exactly where you believe, where you're inspired to begin with your life story that would apply to everybody who has to begin somewhere. Oh. Alex Boyer, ladies and gentlemen, Alex Boyer. That's B-O-Y-E, and I always tell him I'm a songwriter. I yes. would write a song about him, but I don't know what rhymes with stud muffin hunk of burning love. Alex Boyer, my, my, my dear, dear friend or mentor, I love you, man. Oh, I love you too, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, man, that kind of intro, it's just like you could just leave now. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let's go, you know what I mean? You're so bad. Wow, thank you. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just such an honor to be here, and just when I'm thinking of the things that you've been saying, it just, um, a lot of the things that, how I've turned out um, and how I'm still trying to turn out has really come from just feeling, uh, from just so many mistakes and failures and so many times where I felt I was just an absolute zero and where just nobody paid attention to me. I was homeless at the age of 16. And um, my when you mentioned when my mom uh, moved back to Nigeria. I moved to Nigeria. She's only gone for three weeks, and I didn't see her for over eight years. And um, I got really bitter. I got bitter at God. I got bitter at women. I had major commitment issues for years after that. Everyone was like, why are you still single? <laughs> Live a little bit of what happened. If you can't trust your mother, who are you going to trust? So I had to get over that. It took me a long time, man. Even the lady that I'm married to, I don't know how she stuck around. We got broke up three times because I got cold feet. I couldn't do it. I needed therapy, needed help. And so, you know, going back to that, my mom, uh, I remember when she, when she first left, it was three weeks, I was counting down the days, 21 days. And I remember I'd look up in the sky and I'd, I'd see a plane. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's going to be my mom soon, you know. And then when the three weeks came, I'd look up at the sky, everything that moved, every plane, everything that had wings. That's got to be my mom. That's got to be my mom. And then it was like four weeks went, five weeks, six weeks. And at that time, I was at boarding school. So my mom, um, 
she apparently she went to some doctors. We were I was sick or something like that. I had just like a flu or something like that. Took me to the doctors, and then as she was in doctors, this was in London where I was born and raised, and she saw a little brochure, and on the brochure it was like, "Hey, have your kid come here," and it was this beautiful building. It looked like something out of Downton Abbey. It was like one of the most poshest things ever, and apparently it was like they were doing an experiment. It's just so crazy. You can make a movie out of this. They took people from the hood, literally, uh, you know, single parent family, divorced family, you know, just just bad upbringings and stuff like that. And they put us all in this school. And, I mean, there was literally no hope for anyone that was chosen to go to this school. And it was, we were all from, like, pretty bad parts of London. You know, in fact, where I grew up, you know, there was bars, you know what I mean, on the doors and windows. You know, when you think of London, you think, oh, Buckingham Palace and, you know, Piccadilly Circus. <laughs> the no, not where I lived. <laughs> it was definitely a circus, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, that's what I, I grew up with. And so when I got to this boarding school, um, I was I was I was so excited at first because I was like, yeah, you know, during the vacation times, I'd, I'd be with my mom. You know? So she put me with an uncle for three weeks so that, you know, somewhere to stay because during that time I was on vacation uh, from school. And um, yeah, I just kept looking up, looking up, didn't come after about six months. Seven, eight months, nine months, I just thought, that's it, you know. I had to try and figure out how I was going to just deal with, it's not even figure out, I think I was way too young to think about figuring it out, but I just shut it off. I think my mind and my brain just shut it off. And I got, it was like the Lord protected me. And I just looked for other things. And um, my uncle was very, <laughs> very uh, abusive, mm. um, emotionally and sexually, mm. and I don't. I haven't talked about this much. Um, been seeing a therapist for the last six months, and they told me I need to start talking about it. I didn't know he was also abusing me sexually. Mm. Passed me around mm. to his friends every weekend. He'd have a parties. Mm. He'd make me go and get the alcohol, mm. and sometimes the drugs, and the cigarettes, and um, I'll just be at home there, and uh, I'd be asleep and. People would just come in. Mm. And um, it was just so weird because I felt like even for the, from the age of zero to 14, I had no memory. Maybe 16, maybe uh, no memory of my life from zero to about 16, 17. And it always used to bug me, Dan. And I, I remember I used to have like school, people at school call me dumb because I couldn't remember anything. Like they would give me a math equation and I'd answer it. And two minutes later, I couldn't even remember how I did it. Mm. Like everything, I just had just this terrible memory. <laughs> and then you're trying to be a singer, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like the hardest. You try to remember your songs, right? But anyway, <coughs> just for so long, and I always wondered why. And then when I'd visit this uh, this therapist, um, of which someone invited me to go, and I thought, who are you to tell me I need a therapist? Absolutely. Kind of interesting, the whole pride thing, you know, I'm an African brain, what are you trying to say? Yeah. I can do it, right? Yeah. And even when I was there, I was just like, I don't even know why I'm there. But it felt right. It was the weirdest thing. And it was Johnny Hanna. I, I haven't talked about this. Johnny Hanna from Homie, the CEO, he just texts me out the blue. He says, Alex, would you be interested in visiting someone? I don't even know what to call her, but really, really blessed me. And I, I respected him so much. So I just turned out. And then 
long story short, she started talking about the DNA and how we st- our body stores everything, every memory we've ever had, our body stores it. And even if we've forgotten, it is still there. And she said, my job is to help you remember. Mm-hmm. And so she went through some exercises and I saw it. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw what they were doing to me. It's very quick, very clear, just a short glimpse, but it lasts a lifetime. And I remember just when I left, after visiting her for like three, four, five months, every time just names of people would come. Some of them my best friends. I respected at boarding school. Mm. And then I remember there was one time I thought, no, no, how can I, this is is, is all gobbledygook. This is woo-woo. No, 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 no. This is not real. This is not real. And so one of the names that came up in my mind, I decided to send a message on Facebook. I said, I know what you did. sent me a message back and he said oh my G-O-D I am so sorry and I was like oh my gosh it's real mm-hmm. it was real my brain protected me all those years because it didn't want me to remember very cool okay so Pain is a signal to grow, not to suffer. Once we learn the lesson, the pain teaches us the pain goes away. So in life, there's no mistakes, only lessons. Yes. So there's an old saying. It's, it's, a, it's an actual interview with the famous country crooner and songwriter, Waylon Jennings. Mm, yep. And someone asked him, Waylon, you haven't come out with any new hit songs lately. Why? And he says, because my marriage is going too good. <laughs> And when, love and when we go and, and laugh at, at stand-up <laughs> comics yeah. and we hear some of the greatest songs on the planet, yeah. Yeah. if you actually have a chance to interview the songwriters or meet superstar songwriters <laughs> like you, do you agree that most of the best songs actually start at a place of vulnerability, a place where we had to figure out something that began as pain that turned into triumph, that, yeah, that, that went totally. from, from victim to victory? Totally, totally. You know, and uh, it, it's, it really is, uh, I think that what I've noticed is that the more powerful and personal way it is, there are some people that can write other people's songs. They mm-hmm. can sing other people's songs. Tina Turner, she never wrote it. Whitney Houston, it's very rare. Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw. Right. Yeah. And, but the people who write their songs, because it's personal, and how you felt when you're writing it, the audience feels it's like a watching it look in the mirror, you know? And so, you know, I, I, I used to have an issue singing other people's songs, until I had this one experience with uh, one of the guys from a group called the Nashville Tribute Band. It was Jason Deere. I know all of them. And he so had well. written this song, and he said, Alex, this is your song. And I'm like, it was weird. It didn't sound like me. You know what I mean? Sometimes you hear it, so you know, oh, I could do that because of the way that you know you've done it before. It was like, it was like a whole different thing. I was like, nah, not really me. And then my humility, you know what I mean? Trying to, be, <laughs> trying to look back and say, you know what? Maybe... Because the passion that he said it with, I was like, maybe I should give this a chance. And I, I didn't like, I didn't like the song really, but I loved him. Yeah. And I loved what he does. And so I thought, okay, all right. And it was just simply a song about Jesus. I was like, there's many other ways I'd sing a song about Jesus, but this ain't one of them. You know <laughs> what I mean, right? And so I remember when I was in the studio, and I and I, I said, um, it was a it was a song of pain, and that's what I could relate to. And I remember I asked him, I said, Jason, do you have a picture of Jesus around? And he brought it into the studio, and I got on my knees, 
I sang the whole song on my knees. Wow. One of the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life. I love it. Okay, yeah. so let's cut back to uh, to your youth. So you, yeah. you found solace in music. Yes, yes. Um, when my dad died, I wrote him a letter. It's therapeutic. Um, I write songs. I've written hundreds and hundreds of songs that are so pathetic I wouldn't even show them with my own mom. But every once in a while, you get one a gift from the universe, and you know what they they are. So, you got into music. I would su- suspect as a way of dealing, as a way of expression. Talk to us about that. Music literally saved my life, and and you know, we talk about cliches, but let me tell you why. So during that time, I was going through just this darkness at the age of 16, don't know who my mom is, blaming God, blaming everyone, and then all the the dark experiences I was going through with my uncle. <coughs> uh, there was one time where I wanted to take my life. I was 16 years old, and I wanted to take my life. And I remember I went, my goal was to go to a nightclub. And it's a nightclub that everyone talked about. It was like the biggest thing in, in London. I'd never been, everyone always talked about it. And I decided I was going to go to this nightclub, get my dance on, because I love dancing, you know that. And then that's it, I'm out. And so I went to this nightclub, and I uh, still to this day, I don't know how I got in. I'm 16 years old, so 21 and over club. And trust me, I did not look like 21. <laughs> I had a, you know what I mean? My, my, anyway, so to this day, I still, I think I knew a friend, and knew a friend, and a friend. Anyway, I got in, and I'm getting my dance, and I'm crying my eyes out, because I know what I'm about to do. And as I'm about to leave, the DJ taps his microphone. He's like, hey, yo, yo, yo. Is that Alex Boye on the dance floor? And I'm like, what? How does anyone, I'm 16 years old. I don't even know myself, let alone, does anybody know me, right? right? And I hadn't gotten to singing really or any of that stuff. And he said, yo, he says, one day, he says, you guys don't know it, but one day he's going to be the, one of the biggest artists on the planet. Just watch it. Alex, I'm going to dedicate this song to you, man. Thanks for being here. And I'm like, now I'm standing on dance floor like a statue, like, <laughs> what is going on here? The song starts to play. You know more than anyone else. The lyrics just jumped into my spirit, spoke to my soul. It was like 10 years worth of therapy in three minutes and 58 seconds. It just changed the whole trajectory of my life. I was leaping. So I went in suicidal. And I came out of that nightclub with a mustard seed of hope. Yeah. But that's all I needed, right? Listen, life didn't change. It didn't get any better, right? But just that decision to not want to take my life, that to me was huge. Because here I am now, right? Having all these wonderful experiences, getting to hang out with, you know what I mean, power players like DC, you know what I mean? And, and you know, I mean, it's just a beautiful experience. And I always look back at that and just say, thank God. Thank God, thank God. I talked to a, another singer, Michael McLean. And I remember he was telling me about someone in his life who had attempted to take their lives and he asked, he says, what made you change your mind? He says, what would you tell someone who wants to take their life? He said, tell them to wait five minutes. Yeah. Tell them to wait five minutes. And there's so many stories of just people who have five minutes of just a song that changed their lives. So the quote that comes to mind is, today you've never been this old before, (laughs) and today you'll never be this young again. So right now matters, and every right now matters, which means no matter what your past has been, you have a spotless future, which means you can't always control what happens, but you can always control what happens next. uh, Five minutes. Yeah. 
which yeah. can turn into another five minutes until you finally come to your senses. Okay, so how did you how did your musical career start? Boy bands were not popular back in the day, but somehow you figured out a way to start <laughs> one. Talk to me. Well, again, as you know, I, as I told you, I love dancing. I started off as a dancer, <coughs> and um, before I, you know, I did the missionary stint with with the, with, the, with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Before I did that, um, I was just heavily into dance. I almost never never went because I was just so caught up. I, I always tell people I had one foot in Zion and one foot in Babylon. I was just moonwalking in between the two. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And finally, you know, I, I, I left, and, and and that was just a beautiful experience. And I remember, though, the last day of my missionary service, the mission president, you know, he's got me in his office, and they do the typical thing, right? You know, cheer you on, tell you, you know what I mean, great job, and give you a hug, and tell you to go home and get an edemocation, right? Yeah, yeah, go yeah, get yeah. married, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I remember as I was leaving, President Pugsley turns back, and uh, he calls me, and I turn back around, and he motions me to the table to sit again. But his countenance was different. And it was mm. like, I felt like it wasn't, I don't know, just, just like a, a typical, like, you know, goodbye or thing. It's like he just changed. The words was di- that he started sharing with me were different. And he said, oh, boy, he says, I, I don't usually do this, but... I would like to just offer you an invitation if you're if you're, if you're up for it. And I said, yeah, sure. He says, uh, I feel inspired to tell you to consider uh, pursuing music as a professional career. <laughs> wow. And I was like, what? Because I, you know, I just thought I'm going to do more music, but nothing like that, you know. And I think, though, I look back at just all the failures, just and that was the one thing that kept me going. When all of my friends given up, all of my friends who sang way better than me, who could dance better than me, who had better songs than me, who are all just, you know, doing other things and not chasing their dream anymore because the dream didn't make sense, it was too hard or whatever, they got to raise a family, all this stuff, you know. So perseverance, you know, everybody says good things come to those who wait and I... I'm that maverick renegade who always challenges the status quo. Yeah. Be patient. No, patience allows us to never begin. Yeah. Patience allows us to mindlessly wait our turn, believing this is meant to be. Yeah. This is the hand I've been dealt. There's nothing I can ever do to change it. Yeah. And perseverance is the higher law. Perseverance is patience with a purpose, so we don't just mindlessly wait our turn. We proactively take our turn because we know why we should. So take us to your very first big national break. Obviously, we're talking about America's Got Talent, but t- <laughs> tell the story behind that, how you had auditioned, you know, failure, failure. Come on, talk to us, bro. Take us to the actual stage, the standing ovation from the judges. Everybody needs to Google that. It'll bring a tear to your eye and hope to your future, that, that mustard seed <coughs> side of hope yeah. that if you have a dream to be a musician, the dream to be an author, the dream to be a disc jockey, the dream to be a sales professional, the dream to be a mom, the dream to be a dad, yeah. Yeah. it's all the same formula. Yeah. Take us back to that experience. Yeah, because first, everybody is that. Whatever it is that you want to be, however outlandish or crazy, there's somebody that's doing that. So it must be real. It must be real. It definitely works. You know what I mean? And that's what has really helped me Look at it in that way. I remember uh, the, who's the guy from the, the in Shark Tank, Maverick, who owns the Maverick, uh, one of the Shark Tank dudes. 
and he was talking about, uh, you know, everybody talks about being a billionaire or whatever it is, but what made it easy for him is like, somebody's got to be a billionaire, so it might as well be me type thing, you know yeah, what I mean? I love and it, I love yeah. that type of thing, but going back to America's Got Talent, I, maybe if I, if I could, I'd start backwards. Yes, so I get this, you know, the standing ovation, the judges are going nuts. I was just like over just the moon, you know, and I had an 18-piece band, and we you never rehearsed. You dropped your knees, you were weeping, yeah, you couldn't believe yeah. it happened. Yeah, and we'd never rehearsed before. By the way, my band, most of them was from New York, and uh, I hired them from uh, Juilliard because I thought, if I'm going to make this work, I want to have the biggest amount of people on stage for a band. And I couldn't afford to bring them all from Utah. So I sent like a whole bunch of music to these cats from Juilliard. I had to pay them insane amounts of money, and that's what people don't know, right? So I wasn't worried about it. Our first rehearsal was in the restroom downstairs because they wouldn't give us a rehearsal room. So we get on stage absolutely slay it it was just amazing it was just like that flow you know and what was the, the hit song you actually covered? <laughs> we did a taylor swift uh, shake it off an africanized version and uh that was literally my life you know shaking things off because there's so much crap that happens to you got to shake it off get up dust it up and get back on again but i was crying when they gave me the four yeses and it was more than most what for one of the reasons why i was crying is because after i jumped the, the last bit i jumped off the stage into the splits yeah and it hurt more than you could <laughs> ever believe. In fact, they had to take me to hospital afterwards because my ankle swollen, like real huge. That's another thing that people were, yeah, I, I was filled with, and then I went down to the local ward in Manhattan, asked someone to give me a blessing. <laughs> then the next day it healed, it went, the healing went, and I was moonwalking again the next day. But that's it. another story. But yeah, so I was on, so after I uh, uh, did that, and I'm in tears, and the reason why is that I, I had a flashback of the seven times that I had auditioned for America's Got Talent. And when it was not even a whim, it was where like the Lord said, okay, go and audition for it. Then I go audition for it, sucked. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't like me. They didn't even give me time of day. So that was the first time. Second time, same again. You know, I spent money I didn't have that I should be spending on my kids. <laughs> Get on a plane to Oklahoma where nobody, I don't know anyone. And I'm in a line for 12 hours. I go, I go do it again. Nothing. I'm flying back home. I'm like, are you kidding? Heavenly Father, what is going on? This doesn't make sense. Five more times. <laughs> the, the time before the last. That was one I said, I'm, then I'm never going to sing again. Let me tell you. I went on that stage. And this was when Sharon Osbourne and Hasselhoff. Yeah. Right? With, a, and, uh, with, a, with a, one of the, with the judges. Oh, my gosh. I got booed off the stage, first of all. I remember looking to the audience, and some guy was so angry at me. I've never seen so much hate. Just pointing to off the stage, like, off, off. It was like, you know what I mean? Live what's, at the Apollo. What, just, what song did you hey, sing? Hey, I'm not even going to say that. I'm like, bro, I ain't even telling you, man. <laughs> right? Maybe I'll tell you off camera. But anyway, right? And it was just off. And then all of a sudden, everyone was doing this routine. Off, off, off. Ooh, then I'm like a clapping monkey. I'm, now I'm getting even worse and singing even more and louder. And I, It was the most embarrassing thing ever. Then I had to stay there and get judged. And then one of them was like, you're just not ready. And another one, Sharon Osborne, was just like, this is just really not for me. You know, I like the way you dress, though. And, that was it. and then one of the judges said, look, here's the thing. I said, maybe you should consider a career as a comedian because that performance was a joke. I remember I went home, get back on the plane. I'm going to try and explain this to my wife, right? After spending thousands of dollars again, we don't have hotels, flights, food, everything. I'm there by myself. 
I get back home and I'm just like crying on my wife's shoulder. I said, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through all this? And then I made a promise to myself I was never going to sing again, Dan. I was like, I'm never going to allow myself, put myself in that situation where I'll be humiliated. So I was like, maybe I could try graphic design. I did a bit of architecture. I love architecture. I love graphic design. Maybe I could try that. Maybe I'll go into that field. And then again, it was my wife. I can't believe it. Oh, she said, you should try again. I said, honey, I love you, but are you high? <laughs> Did you see, you saw what? Just said, hey, I'm not going on that stage again. And she said something I'll never forget. She said, what lesson is that going to teach our kids? Hmm. <laughs> our women, man, they sure know how to guilt shame us in loving <laughs> ways, right? They are the best. They are the godsend of guilt, love, shame. You know what I mean? It's that thing. It's just like, you, you just know. You're like, oh, crap. Booked another flight. Next one. That was in New York. And I said, this time, I'm going to go all freaking out if I'm going to do this. So when they, I got the four <coughs> yeses, when you saw me cry, <laughs> that was seven times failure, failure, failure. I, I wrote this there. Um, Pent it up. This right here, this is funny. Our, our good friend, I was looking at his post today. Uh, Garn, what's his name? Um, Randy Garn. Randy Garn. Yeah. And he posted something on LinkedIn. It says, patience is bitter. Uh, but it's fruit is sweet by Aristotle. And I just thought, oh, Randy, you're a beast. I love that, you know, because it, that's when it was. The patience was bitter, but the fruit on that stage, bro, was so sweet. It's the greatest feeling ever because it didn't come easy. And then what happened next? And then next, just a lot of doors opened for me, you know. Um, we, um, we just, I got, I found a manager, got an agent, and just things just flowed more, you know? And um, what was your first break? You've had over a billion, that's with a B, ladies and <coughs> gentlemen, over a billion views <laughs> on social media. Oh. <laughs> and uh, and how did, how, what was your very first, because I know the answer to this question, what was your very first music video that you recorded that asked, actually escalated you to the next level yeah. after your national fame of America's Got Talent? Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, there was two, but I did this cover of uh, a Frozen. When Frozen was huge, it was the biggest thing on the planet then. And I was like, hey, why don't I try and do like an African version of it? Because everyone's like, I had a fan who was like, why don't you Africanize it? It was so cool. Like, like someone branded me and gave me a name and said, <coughs> and I was like, can you Africanize this Taylor Swift song? Can you Africanize? And I thought that was the coolest thing. I didn't give myself that branding. They gave it to me, and then I started using it, you know? And, and, and so anyway, I did that, and I, my kid was just singing it at the top of her voice, and I'm like, oh, there's something here. So I decided to get like a whole bunch, of, a whole choir, and did like an African version of it, and I went to the ice castles, and I had a whole bunch of, a group of incredible people, and I got like some singers, and I got Lexi Walker, who was, just this incredible singer that I heard singing the national anthem at Rail Salt Lake game, and she just yeah. blew me away. And she was only like 12 at the time. She was like 12 at the time. Yes. I was just like, what is this that's coming out of her mouth? Like, not yes. even a 30-year-old can sing exactly. like this, you know? And that's what really was so powerful, and just doing that African thing. And then we found the ice castles in Midway. And it was just so many things that just made this thing work. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, good morning, America. And You, you know, posted we it, and then you started shows. getting calls. Yeah, right? yeah. And then all these celebrities were sharing it with everybody and my phone was buzzing and it was just nuts and 
And then um, Lexi Walker from that uh, got offered a deal by Sony. I got offered yeah. a deal by Sony. The choir also got offered a deal by Sony Records. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it was, was that, just... Was that... Massa. Massa. Yeah. Exactly. And, and he decided not to take it. And, you know, <coughs> I think that, you know, looking back, it was a smart move for him and what he's managed to accomplish and the control that he still has. Famous children's yeah, choir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, we, we just, it was, and then I did uh, one with uh, the piano guys. Yep. Um, and that one just went to the stratosphere. That's when it, you know, my mom always used to tell me that I should use my African influence in my music, and I always ignored it. And I said, Mom, I, nobody listens to African music. I live in Utah. Nobody cares, you know what I mean? And it wasn't until I did that, it took two white dudes to call me up and ask me to sing in Swahili. I'm like, Swahoo? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm talking to, you know, the guys, the piano guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was like Steve was shopping there. I was like, can you do this in Swahili? I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm the only black guy you know in Utah, so you automatically think a brother can speak Swahili. Get the heck out of it. We had so much fun with that. Uh, and so he was like, well, will you try it? I was like, Oh, okay, so I went to the library, tried to get those Rosetta Stone tapes, tried to learn me something. <laughs> failed miserably, right? So I called my mom in England. I said, Mommy, please help me. I said, Can you help me with the, the language? So we speak Yoruba, my, my family, and that's our roots, which is a, a West African dialect from Nigeria. And so she taught me some Yoruba. It's not Swahili, but the piano guys wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got all these different African languages and, 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 translated the from the Coldplay Paradise song and I sang in like tons of different African languages and the coolest thing though is at the end I have this thing where it says and I remember getting a, a message from a guy that says I gotta tell you I am not a religious person he says I am far from he says but when you I don't believe in God or anything like that. I says, but when I hear that song and that last part you sing, he says, my heart leapt. And it's so funny because the translation is, dear Heavenly Father, oh, thank wow. you so much for all the blessings that thou hast <laughs> given me. <laughs> That's so good. You know what I'm saying? So you good. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, wait, I could, I could do more of this. I could sing from my heart sing religious music and because they don't understand it they will feel the feeling that they would get so they totally bypass the bias I love and it. it hits them in their afro what? come on dad That's you know so what I'm saying good. So good. I was like I couldn't I couldn't think that up that's so a god good. thing Absolutely. I cannot make that up I'm not that smart to come out with that <laughs> That's and it's changed my life, man. Yes, it has. Changed our lives. Still doing it, you know? It's changed our lives. <laughs> Which is the perfect seg segue into your number one cause, your number one mission, a greater purpose than just singing and dancing and moving people through music. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so tell us a little bit about that and introduce the song and the story behind the Randy Jackson experience with, yeah. Brent, uh, with Ben Don't Break. Yeah. You know, this song is, uh, I've, I've, been, I've been chasing this opportunity for the longest time and praying to the Lord for it and, and just hadn't seen it. And it was really... Seeing what? Getting involved in, in well, suicide prevention or launching a, 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 a meaningful song yes. as your breakout it was single? a meaningful or? song that, that, that really <clears throat> focused on mental health and suicide prevention. I, I, nothing came. Nothing, nothing made sense. And, but afterwards, I started realizing, like, I have this goal. That's goal. I want to be a musician, right? You know, for so long. And what I noticed, Dan, is that all the people that I, all the musicians that I wanted to emulate, they've taken their lives. 
So what am I chasing? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to be like them, and they're dead. They're not natural causes. So I'm like, I had to, I had to go back. So I go back again to my 16-year-old experience in the nightclub, and that was the day I chose to be an entertainer. Why? Because I saw that that artist, whoever sang that song that the DJ played, saved my life. And if I could now do that for somebody else, hello, I'm doing okay in life, no matter what. So focus on purpose yeah. instead of setting yeah. goals. Yeah. And if money's the motivator, money will yes. eventually run out. So yes, because it, it always was, Dan. I'm going to be yeah. honest. I ain't going to lie to you. Always was. Until I got to meet Mr. Randy Jackson, Mr. American Idol. My manager introduced me to him. They were friends. I think he, Randy owed him money. <laughs> <laughs> so he pulled the card and said, you got to help my act. <laughs> and then I'll, the money, then you don't have to worry about the debt. How cool is freaking that? If that's not a good thing also, come oh, on yeah. now. So anyway, so I'm in the studio with him, but I thought he was just going to be there just because he felt he had to be on an obligation, right? This man, we had recorded 15 songs. He was at the studio every session from beginning to the end. Talk about one of the most busiest people. And I, and I just couldn't get my head around why this man was still here. He wasn't signing me or anything. He didn't have any motive to make money off me or anything like that. He just sat and he just kept encouraging me. The last song that we had done, we are, it's about 11 o'clock at night. My voice is just whacked, tired and everything. I couldn't wait to get back to the hotel and just chill. Then I was going to get back on a plane. This was in Burbank, California. Record the whole album at the Henderson Studio where uh, the Muppets where you got yeah. the big, like, uh, building and you got like Kermit's frog heads coming out of it. It's like a seven foot like statue of Kermit the Frog. I used to look at that and like, hey Kirby. Anyway, so I remember we'd finished and the album was done. I go to the restroom. Everybody's leaving. And as I'm in the restroom, <laughs> God say inspiration comes from anywhere. <laughs> and the voice was like, you need to go back. And you need to do another song. And I remember thinking, what Another song. Like, everybody's tired. We're all tired. So I run back in, right? And everyone's going home. Randy's getting Uber. All the guys getting Uber. The engineer, that's my co-songwriter, some of the band members. They're all heading out. <coughs> so I said, guys, 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 guys. I said, I am so sorry. I know that this is, like, just, like, the, the weirdest timing. But there's another song. We got to do another song. And at that point, I still didn't know what. And then they said, they were rolling their eyes and like, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, what? I said, I know, I'm so sorry. Just one more, just one more, I beg of you. Can we just stick around, just do this one more song? And then I remember Randy would say, so what, 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 is it, what is it about? And the songwriter, co-songwriter was there. And I said, then all of a sudden it just came. It just downloaded on me. And it was clear as a bell. I needed to write a song about suicide prevention. I needed to write the song that if I was to write it to a kid that was on a dance floor that wanted to take their life, that it would make them change their mind. And the way that I said it to them, I didn't tell them my personal story. I just said, because then I wasn't ready. My therapist has only just started advising me to do it and it's changed my life. I didn't know, because we always hide stuff. You know what I mean? Anyway, so I said, um, let's put it this way. I want you to imagine that you're on a Golden Gate Bridge and you're taking a nice walk, beautiful moonlit sky, and you see a dark shadow, you see a guy, and he's on the edge of the bridge, he's about to jump. You're the only one that can save them. What would you say? And 
that's what I want to sing about. And so that's why then one of the girls was like, before you go, can I ask you a question? When's the last time you thought life's worth living? You may think there's only one way out. Can't see beyond the way you feel right now. Yeah. And then we thought about the bamboo. You know, and, and like a palm tree. When it bends in the wind, it can go through like the biggest hurricane, but it never breaks. But you can have like this huge freaking acorn like like oak tree that's thicker than the size of the building. And that hurricane can just tip that thing over. Doesn't make sense. I started learning that the roots, the deeper the roots, the roots are way deeper on a palm tree than they are on the oak tree. And so no matter what happens, so I'm thinking if we develop roots of self-love, self-belief and all these things, when the wind comes, we'll bend, but we'll never break. So that's if you just bend and not break. Sorry, I'm sick. Bend and not break. Then we say, at least not today. That's why wait five minutes. Just wait five minutes, even five minutes. It's not waiting two years and it's all going to be better. Wait five minutes and it could change. And so that's how this song came about. And then we were going to the release, we released the album. We had to release a single and I was getting all excited. I was like, Randy, man, let's release this song. He's like, nope. What about this one? This one's so fun. He's like, nope. I said, three other ones. He's like, to the nope. I was like, well, what one do you think? He said, you need to release Ben, not break. I'm like, Rand, you mean that depressing one, that like that one? You want me to start off with that? He said, yep. I said, seriously? And, you know, I respected him, but I was like, bro, you're wrong this time. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was just like, but then he said something to me that is manifesting itself. He looked at me in my eye and he said, Alex, if you put out this song as your first song, it will define your whole career. And I stand before you now doing these what's called suicide prevention mega concerts. And I call up cities and I'll say, give me your biggest venue. I don't want a high school because nobody cares. I don't want a theater. I've been doing that all my life. I said, give me your biggest venue. And they said, oh, this one seats 10,000. Book it. And they'll be like, what? You don't even, nobody even knows you. You can't fill this place. I'm like, I can't, but God can. And I remember we went to Nampa, Idaho. We did the Ford Theater and 10,000 capacity. Even the owners of the venue said, yeah, you'll barely get about 2,000 people. <laughs> they were mistaken because I knew how many people have been affected by this. It is almost everyone you pass on the street. 10 years ago, it wasn't like that. Maybe 20. You're like, Anyone been affected? Maybe like, you know, one or two people in the room put their hands up. Now it's everybody, everybody. So I knew something that God had told me that they didn't know. I said, yeah. you'll be surprised. People came, not only did they came, they had to extend this 2,000-seater place, and they took down the gates and took down the barriers and everything because they wanted to make it look like just 2,000 people come. That makes it look like it's full. They took it all down, 10,000 people turned up. And we had people come from all over. We had, like, bishops and state presidents bringing their young men, young women. Stuff like that. I had an experience where I'd written this song called Survivor. We're singing this on stage. Then I have this beautiful, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful gift, Dan, that, that I've only started really using. And it was available to me long before I've been using it. And that's when I'm on stage 
there's a voice within me and it will say, Alex, go to the front. Alex, go left. Alex, point at that girl at the front. Alex, get off the stage and go and put your hand on the shoulder of that old lady. And I'll get messages back. <coughs> old lady wrote a message. I want to take my life that night. I asked the Lord for a sign. Someone that can just put their hand on my shoulder. Tell me they love me. I put my hand on her shoulder and I told her I loved her. What? Cool. Tell me how tell me how excited you'll be to get on stage again now. Yeah, yeah. Right? This is not this is bigger than me now. And that's what I've been waiting for. Because all the people I wanted to be like are dead. So I have to find something else. And because this is bigger than me, I know I can stick it. I know I can stay on this thing through the highs, through the lows. Because there is always that one underlying message to bless and save lives through Clever. music. So as we wind down our time together, we, should, we could have you on 16 more times. <laughs> Every time I've had the privilege of sharing the program with you, you, you rise above the stage performance of singing and dancing and your commentary even in between the songs when it's not a suicide prevention <clears throat> mega concert, when it's just Alex Boyer in concert, what you are able to talk about and say and share from your heart in between the songs that sets up the next song <coughs> is something that sets you apart from most artists that I've ever met. Thank you, bro. So, I learned that from Goff Brooks. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because most of them just stand there and go, yeah. hello. Yeah. Next, I'm all saying, yeah. you know, Bob yeah. Twangtown. Yeah. No, it's, it, what, Connection, th man. That matters. So the question I think everybody would want to ask you is, we pursue our careers. We have to focus. We have to sacrifice. We have to spend time away from our family. We yeah. have to, to, to understand that everything that we want requires that we give up something that we had. Otherwise, we couldn't get it. There's only so many hours in a day. There's only so many things we could do. Share some secret sauce on how you've been able to keep that family balance, that God balance, while... You have adoring fans. You're on the road. We all know the road warrior world. Is, it, it takes its toll, and you've stayed above the flow. Teach us the secret sauce. If you have some advice, if you have a story, if you have some way that we all can tune into what you do, can I do it too, the first <coughs> and the second question, to, to, to keep everything in perspective? Shall I be honest? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know the balance. I've never had a balance. Never. Don't know how to do it. But one thing that I've noticed, though, is that I've prayed to ask the Lord to give me, um, to help, to give me glimpses. I remember talking to Tim Ballard, and he was asked, how, he, how does he have that balance? And I remember he said, God has given me this, ob this ability to, it, through all my work, that when I'm at home and I can only spend like 15 minutes or like an hour or five hours with my kid, that that 15 minutes, he turns it into two months worth of attention. And, and, and that's, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that. It's been so powerful. And, you know, I'm talking to my, my therapist. She talked to me uh, an interesting thing about, because um, I talked to her, I was struggling, you know what I mean? It's like with my wife, I felt like I'm distancing myself from her. I'm focusing so much on the music. Music is my, uh, um, you know, my, what's the word when you cheat on your wife? <laughs> Mistress, right? 
music became my mistress. I'm glad I didn't know the answer. <laughs> and I felt like I was cheating on my wife. Kind of feels like it. I was like, that was the most important thing. And I was like, okay, I gotta figure this out. It's not working. And I remember my therapist said, you gotta treat her like her friends treat her. I'm like, what? It's just, listen to it. When you, when you're, when you're, when your friend unloads on you with all the crap they're going through that day, right? If you're the spouse, you're like, oh crap, here we go again. If you're the friend, you're like, oh really? How did that feel? Like, oh man, I can't, I can't imagine you having to just like, you're under the, cooking again, cooking again, and then just when it's clean, then it's happened again. It's, that must be so freaking like just monotonous and annoying. I'm so sorry, I can't believe that must. And I started doing that. Holy cow, Dan. That simple thing where I was just replying and repeating what she had said. Dude. It kept me off the couch for the a long art time. Of listening. It was that was it. Yeah, so I was I, like, "What is that?" I was like, "This feels amazing." I don't. This is, wow. Is that what that is? So what you reminded me about some, something that I love to ask my audiences, especially when there's, you know, so many working women in the audience. Yeah. Say, how many of you are are good at multitasking? And everybody raises their hand, and I say, "You just admitted publicly that you're lousy at a lot of things." Ooh, and they all snap. kind of grimace. I said, "What would happen if you?" started thinking like a juggler because yes. the juggler only controls the ball in her hand. Once she lets go say. of the ball, she's relinquished control, so why yes. worry about it and only deal with the ball in your hand? So when you have eight kids, yes. 15 minutes of two months of time, and if you itemize the number of minutes that we actually spend in real if we conversations really exactly. and added them up. I could be home, but I'm still not home. You got it. Right? Well, alcoholism is workaholism you're still wow. not there you're That's still not, not present in the moment i love that yeah so yeah and 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 how powerful <coughs> is music to set up that listening environment that mellow that escape from the world and focus it on your spouse focus on your kids especially the ones who need you right this minute yeah you know like the circus and i, I saw that you know america's got talent i was with that the artist that came up before me yeah he had this table and had those plates you know that they they Oh, yeah. And those plates. And I looked at him and I noticed that which is the plate that he focuses on more? The one that's just about ready. To that's it. Yeah. And, I, I, and it was so funny because even the Lord was teaching me something as I was so nervous and I was scared. And I just focused on this guy and backstage looking at him who's coming, you know, who I'm coming afterwards. And it took my mind off it. And the Lord showed me a precept that I di didn't make sense until I started you know, you're talking about now, and I've used it so many times because it was a personal experience. I literally saw what it was like. He would run to the one that was about to, and then he'd go back, and then he'd calm again, and then yeah. when the next one. And I started doing that, you know, with my kids when I remember, and it, it's, 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 been a, it's been such a blessing. It's not going to be perfect, never is. And that's the other thing, too. It's like, you know, we have this perfectionism syndrome, and we are never, uh, once we have that, we are never going to be satisfied, ever. And so it's just like, you know, it's being satisfied where you are or being satisfied when you get it. Because when you get it, it's not enough. Like, you know, it, remember that cartoon? You used to watch those cartoons where you got like Bunny, the Br'er Rat, no, what's it? Uh, Bugs Bunny, right? And I remember like uh, Elmer Fudd, he did this thing. It was so cruel. He had like a carrot oh, yeah. and he tied it to, uh, on a piece of, on a stick. 
and he tied it around Bugs Bunny's head. So Bugs Bunny kept chasing the carrot, but he never quite got it. But he kept running here, running there, and he never ever got it. It was the most frustrating thing. And sometimes I think we do that with our lives. And I used to do that with music too. I'd like, you know what? When I get my first hit on the radio, bam, then we're good. I'm going to be happy. I get it. If I get on that major TV show, you know what I mean? On America's Got Talent, yeah, man. Then I've made it. I've arrived. I get it. I'm like, say. So I just started saying, oh, then I heard, and you've said it so many times, enjoy the journey. Yeah. I started, I, I, was, I, was, I, I started saying, don't wait until you get there for you to be freaking happy. Be ha find ways to be happy right now. And then when you get there, it's just another one, then another one, then another one. Just a less closing thing. My, um, I learned something so powerful, uh, singing in the Mormon Tabernacle Choir for eight years. And I remember we would go and let's say we'd go on a tour. I remember we went on a tour to, um, uh, uh, we did New York and all that area and we performed at Carnegie Hall. And I got to do a chance to do a solo. It was like the coolest thing ever, you know? And I remember when we got back home, you know, and, we, and, and we're at the first rehearsal after we'd finished the tour and we get back home and Matt Wilbur gets up and we're all patting ourselves on the back and feeling good and everything. So yeah, and he's just like, okay, right, next rehearsal. Will you get out your books? And we all felt like, really, we're like, can't, what? It was like, it was a running train, and the train kept going. It didn't stop long enough to gloat on your, you know what I mean? Celebrate on what you did. It's like, oh, now we've got music and a spoken word in four days. Let's go. You know what I mean? And it really taught me something really cool. It was just like, Alex, don't sit. And Lord, that's why you have like a whole bunch of one-hit wonders. You know why? Because they have one hit, you wonder where they are, because they're focusing on that one hit. And all of a sudden they think they're famous. But then when that song's floated out of existence, what else you got? You got it. But when you have someone like Michael Jackson and Prince, they'll have a hit. Okay, next. Taylor Swift, they'll have a hit. Okay, next. It's our mindset. Most people's mindset is when I get there, I'm done. Other people's mindset is when I get there, then it means I'm closer to where I want to get, and I keep going. Exactly. It's been so a great lesson for me. In the music industry, everybody can write their first album, the second album. Is Hallelujah. tough. There it is. What are you going to come up with next? There it is, bro. So as we wind down, where do you want to be five years from now? I want to be the same person I am now on steroids. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> <coughs> I mean, what, what I'm saying is that even through my imperfections and my weaknesses, and all my mistakes and all that kind of stuff. I like myself. I didn't before. Mm -hmm. I, c I could not say that, even maybe three years ago. I really do like myself. And you have to first like yourself before you can like others. You have to yeah. first love yourself before you can Absolutely. love others. You have to first yeah. trust your gut, your intuition, love, before yeah. you can trust someone else. Yeah. I'm in love with myself, man. And you know, sometimes people are like, oh, look at him, he thinks he's God's gift to the earth. Yes, I am! Yeah. And so are you. Absolutely. We are all God's gift. You know what I mean? Gotcha. It's beautiful. <laughs> noble and great. That's what it says in Abraham 3.22. We're the noble and great ones. When's the last time we looked in the mirror and called ourselves noble and great? Why is it the only people allowed to call themselves great is Muhammad Ali and freaking Kanye West? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not bragging. I call it Godfidence. <laughs> it's just like just being, it. just being okay with who you are and where you're at now, knowing you've still got a long way to go. That's all right. So winding up our conversation, what you've reminded the world is we don't see things as they are we see things as we are if yes, you and i are <clears throat> in a room full of people looking out the same glass window at the same lashing <laughs> rainstorm and one person says what a horrible day <laughs> yeah. and you obviously say no what a wonderful day the weather did not change yeah. Yeah. 
And so when we work on ourselves and pursue that dream and surround ourselves with people who believe in us, who, who ignite that one five minutes required to change our mind, to stop looking at the negative, woe me, and start looking yeah. at the positive. You've also reminded us, with all due respect to Covey, maybe beginning with the end in mind is really a limiting belief. Because what it does is it forces us to focus on a destination that's impressive, comparing ourselves to the world, which basically forces us in a predicament where we do our best to manage people and reward results. One hit wonder. And what you reminded me is, no, the goal is to begin with the why in mind, which inspires us to enjoy the journey, which means we, we reward we, we manage expectations and reward effort, so there's really never a destination. We're always on the journey, just trying to be better today than we were yesterday. That's what you've done to me as our friendship. It's what you do with your music and your concerts. Uh, how can people download your music? How can we find you on social media? <clears throat> and, and I would assume that you publish your, your tour dates. And I've been on the program with Alex many times, but I've also been in his audience watching him work his magic and trust me ladies and gentlemen you're in for an experience not just a concert an experience that as i would call it a, an evening of music comedy and motivational theater spiritual guidance and you all leave saying i like me best when i'm with alex boyer i can't wait to see him again tell us how do we get a hold of you my friend all right instagram alex boyer official <coughs> b-o-y-e is the way you spell his name yeah, just type in alex boyer swahili swahili for <laughs> Or I don't know what I'm awesome, <laughs> awesome super stud. I don't know. <coughs> yeah, just look at me on the, uh, look for me on all those. Um, we've got a Spotify friends, YouTube, Alex Boyer, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, have some fun while you're checking out some music and feeling good about it. So good, and like I said, he 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 can break dance, he can moonwalk, <laughs> he can do it all. Not bad for fifty one, right? <laughs> yeah, he brings back to uh, to the stage all the things that we loved from multiple artists and you seem to be able to package it all into one performance and I honor you for that. I appreciate you so much as a man of God, as a man of family, as a man of community and as a man of music. The smartest people in the world that I know are (coughs) songwriters and musicians because they can look in a blue cloudless sky and actually see a buffalo and I'm like, wow, let's write a song about that. Okay. What's your message to the world? You have one hour to live. What do you want to say? <clears throat> Ooh, I love that. Um, that will help all of us become power players. Help all of us become powers. One hour. Which is live. not competing against others. It's just becoming, it's getting in tune. Everything you've taught us today is how to get in tune to ignite and release our own personal power yeah. to become everything we were born to be, regardless yeah. of what anybody else around us is doing. Yeah. I think when you when you when you when you have one hour to live, you aren't gonna you're not gonna compare yourself to anyone else, and um, I think that's really it for me. It's just uh, embracing yourself, who you are, wherever you are right now. Um, that's that's it for me. You Finding know, the right role models who aren't yourself. dead. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not physically; they might be spiritually, spiritually. dead. They might be emotionally dead. Yeah. When you lose your dreams, you die. Yeah. That's why we have so many people yeah. walking the halls of life who are dead and they don't even know it yet. So oh. you need. You need, That's to, a good one. you need to really get in touch with your your soul, right? Yeah, I love that. There's that scripture where there's no vision that people perish. And I think it's just it's just that. Have a vision for your life, for who you want to be. It's not where you want to go in life. Like, 
it's more important who you are than what you've accomplished. And so I think that you accomplish a lot more once you know who you are. And so just finding out who you are. And you attract not who you want in your life, you attract who you are. Oh, wow. yeah. What great. So I would call human beings, right? Not yep. human doings. How you be. <laughs> exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, the Thank famous, you. the amazing, the spiritual, the humble Alex Boyer. And uh, I hope you'll encourage your friends to not just download this episode and subscribe to Power Players with <coughs> Dan Clark, but to know why this podcast exists, focusing and on doing what we need to do to interview the right people at the right time who can uh, say something and speak to your heart to give you whatever you need in that moment to take it to the next level. And there's no one better on the planet to help us do that than Alex Boyer. I love you, man. You Thank know you that. So you too, I wish you'd invite me to be family. on stage with you more. <laughs> you, just, you, know, you always pick these, low, these low budget MCs when I'm available. And uh, you, you know you can afford me. This is the real reason he had to be on the podcast, so by bad. the way. Just so you all know. He's, he's a smart boy, you know what I mean? <laughs> So forget about everything you said. I, I need gas money. <laughs> Absolutely not. Thank Love you. this man. And uh, thanks for joining us. This Thank has been the, the, the treat. And you rose above expectations and, and delivered everything. I knew you were going to deliver it more. Thanks. God bless you, brother. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.